All right, everyone, before we get into the episode, which is going to be awesome, make sure you check out WorkbenchCon. Just a quick reminder, it's coming right up in February, and we are pumped. We're actually all getting there a little bit early for some drinks, some hangouts, and all that stuff, but keep an eye on our Instagram. We'll be giving more information, but if you want to get your tickets now because they are running out, go to or just Google Workbench Conference, find it, buy the tickets, show up. It's in Atlanta. Everyone's welcome. Let's party. Now let's well start said. the episode. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 17th, otherwise known as Quit Your New Year's Resolution Day, which is something that we kind of talked about last week. So I thought that was January 5th. We were, uh, well, that's what we deemed it, but it, this oh, is the official holiday of it. Quit Your New Year's Resolution. I'm just I saying knew it we, had to be one day. We were ahead January. of the trend. Yeah. What about got, you guys? Have Have you stuck to your New Year's resolutions? Even though well, we didn't, yeah, seeing we didn't as how go I don't too crazy. One. I was about to say we didn't go too crazy with resolutions, but have you kept up with the things you wanted to keep up with so far? Yeah, that's the actually. Oh, life hack: easiest way to keep a New Year's resolution: don't make one. Wow. <laughs> Best way to not fail: don't even try. There you go. <laughs> I've been pretty good on all of mine. Uh, the one setback was I had the flu for the first part of the year, which was mm. not, well, a great way to, not a great way to start it off. So that got me set back a little bit in terms of the, the project planning and the schedule I had in place. But in terms of the overall ideas, holding strong. Beautiful. Beautiful. No crazy resolutions for me either. But one thing that I did do it was right after the new year. It wasn't a resolution or anything, but I have started a new way of organizing and categorizing my life. Mm. In my bedroom, there are two sliding doors that are mirrors for the closet. And I got a bunch of different color of post-it notes and I have written with dry erase board markers, different categories. So I've got the modern builds categories where I've got four projects that are either in progress or are in development at some stage. Maybe I need to you know, talk to this sponsor, or mm-hmm. I've got to get the materials from Amazon for this project, or maybe it's you know, make sure and send that thing tomorrow. I've got all of that down there. Then I've got things for the podcast. So for instance, on my post-it note wall, I've got podcast at nine o'clock. Boom. Then below that, I've got things for maker brand, which right now I'm currently in the stages of developing furniture paint. If you've been following my Instagram, you know that. And then below that, I've just got the casual day-to-day of things. So it's just reminders to take out the trash or (laughs) post that thing to Instagram that I wanted to yesterday and forgot about. And then whenever I complete the task, I move the the post-it note to the other side of the board. So not only do I have like everything I need to do visually queued up so that anytime I've got 10 minutes, I can pick something that's quick and easy to do. Or if I've got a little bit longer, I can really dive into something but I also get the gratification of moving the post-it note over and being able to see everything I've completed as well. So I've just got this like really big momentum swing happening right now. I'm crushing it and I'm going to have videos every week until I lose this momentum. But for right now, I'm loving it. I like it, man. I've always wanted to do like a big, uh, dry erase board to basically do that same idea because we keep all that stuff digitally. Like, you know, I have a bunch of like different files with organizing things and reminders, but there's something about having like physical where you walk by it and you just see it just keeps it like more on mind. And my problem is I didn't even really keep one digitally. Mm. The only thing that I had digitally that kept me organized was uh, like my invoicing and important emails. But the day to day of things was always in my head. And I just, I, I forget things too much and I'm too scatterbrained and let alone just 
have a lot of things to remember. So yeah. this is helping me so far. Anybody that's interested, check out my Instagram. I'll post about it on my story on Thursday, which is the day that this came out. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. The problem is when I put stuff up on a whiteboard with post-it notes, I just get all bird box on it and just get really good at like <laughs> avoiding looking directly at the things you have to do. Just walking yeah. around blindfolded um, in your room. That's why I put it on my closet. Like I've got to get in there to get clothes every day. So at least at the start of the day, I get to kind of pick a few post-it notes that I know are, are, are the low-hanging fruit to kind of get the day going. Well, I just use Evernote and then I have it for all the urgent things. Mm-hmm. I have it send push notifications through my phone. That's not reminders. bad. My thing, though, is I tried Evernote, and I also tried one more that's similar. Oh, I just tried to use Google Calendars and really organize that. And it had push notifications, too. But I have a lot of post or a lot of push notifications from Instagram and other social medias mm-hmm. to begin with, let alone what you were just saying. I just completely act like that app doesn't exist as soon as I get like overwhelmed by things. So I just kind of like put it on the last page of apps on my phone, and then just never open it. Mike's the Jimmy DeResta of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. <laughs> Wait, Mike, you have your notifications on for Instagram? Well, yeah, I want to know when people like my photos. Oh, dude, that'll kill you. That's why your phone battery's always like at listen, nothing man, percent. Listen, I don't. when people tag me in projects, and when people, you know, I don't have notifications for like, hey, Greg from Virginia liked your post, but I've got notifications for when quote-unquote important people interact with me or anytime people tag me in posts. So you're saying Greg's not important? Do what? Well, Greg from Virginia is important, but maybe not as important as, you know, someone, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of someone without being, you know, playing favorites. The king of England. Yeah, the king of England. When he tags me, I always know. So when I send you cute hedgehog and prairie dog photos for future pet ideas, you get uh-huh. those as notifications? Most of the time, yeah. The Excellent. only problem, though, is I get a lot of notifications, so I don't always see it really fast. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, you know what? That's a great segue into this episode that's kind of just meandering along. Ben, why are you so obsessed with prairie dogs, hedgehogs, anything that tunnels into the dirt well, I- and looks like, uh, uh, like just a fat man? Like a like a fat toddler, Ben yeah. wants one so bad. So I want a not not a hedgehog. Hedgehogs are the spiny ones. Those are cute, okay. but you can't really play with them. They can't pet a hedgehog. Yeah, blue and fast. Yes, okay. I mean it's better than a porcupine. But right. <laughs> okay, now you make fun of me for saying crayon or whatever. You just said porcupine. Yeah, I know. I didn't mean to. <laughs> porcupine. So no, I, I'm glad you called me out though. That should not have gone unnoticed. My new pet obsession is a prairie dog, woodchuck, or groundhog. I think they're all kind of related. Oh, uh, they're all marmots. Yeah, they're marmots of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> and they're adorable. And I think it's the the part the the common thread for like animals that I want as pets are animals that are kind of chubby, but mm-hmm. then eat with their hands. Uh huh. Right. That like kind of grab. Like they have corn that certain on the Gary quality about right. them. A little human touch. Yeah. And then uh, don't seem like they'd be too much maintenance. Um, mm. So I kind of think a, a woodchuck or prairie dog would be the ideal pet for my lifestyle. Especially for a you woodworker. Basically- <laughs> you got to get that <laughs> yeah. woodchuck. Yeah, you could give you them basically- all the scraps and they would just be so happy. <laughs> you have to you buy basically food. want no like, You basically want a pug that can eat what it's, with its hands. Yes. Like everything you're describing is a pug with opposable thumbs. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. Well, I've started following a lot of prairie dogs on Instagram. Very nice. Are you getting any pu- push notifications Wait, for who, your prairie dogs? Who's the most famous prairie dog on Instagram? Oh, easy. Come on. Um, it's this Japanese one. It's like the, the Japanese people are always like way ahead of the curve on like cute pets. Like, uh, and they're really good at like filming and making funny videos and dressing them up in doll outfits. You guys remember that cat Maru? Yes. Would, like jump out of the mm. box. That those <laughs> videos are excellent. Those yeah, like very like early cat. YouTube. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, the the Maru cat is good. I think I could do equivalent with a prairie dog. Okay, mm. so shout out. What is what's the handle for this for this animal that you're talking about? Oh, I can't find it, and I think it's in Japanese. But uh, I'll I'll post about it on our Instagram. Yeah, we'll find it. We'll put it in the show notes on the Modern Maker Podcast Instagram. Oh, and by the way, go check that out and send us some questions for the show for topics. Oh, good yeah, good idea. Speaking of topics for this fun episode, what are we talking about this week, Ben? Well, should we talk about what we're working on first? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, keep, can I go first? It's been a while since I've kicked it off. Been a while. Go for you it. You go, Mike. All right, so this week, the video that has released is one that, you know, it didn't do great first day, but I really think it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to get views long term, and it should, it should help bring some new eyes to the channel, and it is a DIY overhead camera rig. Everybody has seen a KC Neistat video here or there. Mm-hmm. And you know that top-down shot that he gets whenever he's drawing things or opening up packages and, and, and whatnot? Yep. I built a rig that you can set on top of a table, or if you were really feeling bold, you could build it tall enough that you could just stand under. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I built an overhead rig so that your camera can get those really nice shots because I want them in my videos, and I'm sure there's plenty of wannabe YouTubers or wannabe filmmakers out there that could probably benefit from it as well. Uh, the project kind of originated because, well, one, I just wanted those shots in my video. So I went to B&H's website, which is a photo and video equivalent of Amazon, basically. Mm-hmm. And they had a few options, but nothing under 200 or $250, mm. which, you know, I could have, like, I could have bit the bullet and just got it, but it just kind of had a, I just kind of had a light bulb moment where I thought, well, I feel like $250 is way too much to spend for something that does something so simple. I imagine this is a common thread between people that are looking for the same thing. So I'm just going to build it myself. So I hopped on SketchUp that night, came up with a pretty cool little design, and uh, whipped it up over the course of the next couple days. Um, It was a fun project in that I got to try a new way of assembling layered projects. So the project itself is all made out of half-inch plywood. And similar to Ben and Chris, the way you guys typically like to build up joints mm-hmm. with layers of plywood to create grooves and, and things like that, um, I, I did that. But instead of using brad nails or screws or clamps to hold everything together, I just laid a bead of wood glue right down the center of my boards. And then around the perimeter, I put dots of super glue so that all I had to do was put my pieces together, hold them in place just by hand for about 30 seconds until that super glue tacked. Mm-hmm. And then... You know, I could go about working while the wood glue dried over time. And that's what gave me, you know, the really strong bond. So it was fun as an experiment, fun as a way of testing a new way of building things. And I don't know, I've already been using it. If you've been keeping up with my Instagram, once again, at Modern Builds, you will have seen a few bird's eye shots already. So I'm working them into the new video that I'm working on that I'll talk about next week. But aside from that, that's really about it. Um... Fun project, nothing too crazy. Hopefully, people enjoyed it. It's it's the kind of project that could have legs because it's 
solves a problem that people are looking for. Right. Like I know and the I've, way I think of it is it could be a cool little crossover hit. So instead of people that are just interested in building furniture, which is the 90% right. of my content, this is that 10% of content that kind of grabs new eyes and can hopefully bring in some some new some new eyes and some new makers even. Yeah, Who knows? It could get some to... people that are interested in making videos, interested in making actual things as well. Exactly. So pretty fun. But what about you guys? Uh, Chris, yeah. what do you got going on? I built, so I, the video will either come out maybe late this week, maybe early next week, but something that was more uh, of a utility thing, something that we needed for my garage. Mm. You know, I'm working on turning it back into a workshop. Um, but in the meantime, it's gotten a little bit unorganized with just like, you know, bikes and kid toys and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, right. okay, I need to make something to get this in control. So I built, it's basically like a big toy box with two cutouts where you can put the wheel of a bike's kit or a kid's bike. Oh. And so it'll like stand up within there. That's a cool idea. Yeah. So I built that, um, it was very like straightforward, simple project. I put a couple mm -hmm. extra touches on it that I think overcomplicated it a little bit. So I'm going to try to show a simpler way that I didn't use. And that was basically, I was thinking of like, okay, how can you, the, the tighter you can get the wheel to fit in, the better the bike's just going to like stand up on its own. And right. so I made it where th when you put the wheel in, it's got kind of like a wedge shape so that any wheel, it'll just get increasingly thin and it'll wedge itself in. But oh, I see. you really don't need to do that. Like you could very easily just make it a box and that would like significantly simplify building this. So I'm probably just going to show that whole way to do it through drawings since I didn't want to yep. build two different versions of it. Um, the only extra thing that I did to it also uh, in addition to that was just like giving it a nice little paint scheme. What did you do? I'm curious. My first idea was to like dress it all up and make it look like a little mid-century modern house. And then I decided <laughs> not to do that because I know at some point I want to do some sort of like dog house and I'll probably oh. do that for that. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll save that idea for something else. So then I was dog first. Yeah. Or I don't know, maybe a hedgehog or something. There we go. Prairie dog. Prairie dog companion. Um, I don't want a hedgehog. How many times do I have to say? I don't Hedgehogs know. make bad pets. <laughs> They're terrible. Says Ben. Running around, stealing all your gold <laughs> rings. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Sorry. So yeah, yeah, not so the, building a dog house. So the paint scheme ended up going, I was thinking of like different ideas. And one thing that's always like stuck out to me was my dad was always into like road bikes. When I was young, he would go riding every weekend. And one of the bikes he had, so this would have been like, he probably got it in the early 80s. I'm, I remember it from the late 80s, was a Peugeot. And it had this really Ooh. cool paint scheme where it was black with a bunch of stripes. It had this, it was like red, orange, yellow, beige, and white, which sounds like not like a sporty color combo that when you get into like the beiges and stuff, but it looked right. really cool the way that they did it. So I yeah. tried to just sort of evoke that livery. <laughs> Is that a good <laughs> nice word? Nice word. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I love I love me some pastels and some soft colors. You do, so yeah, a soft you do. white, a soft white. I'm on board for that. Nice beige. Yeah, some it's Easter funny. Looks. So you you mentioned you mentioned having issues with uh, the one part of the project uh, being a little complicated. Yeah, and I should have mentioned it. So that's that's been my resolution. I keep walking around the house and saying, 2019 is the year of PDF plans. Mm. So far, I've stuck to it. Granted, I've only put out two videos. Uh, but I've already got plans for the third one ready. And that's something I did for the camera rig video was, so like I mentioned, I built it all out of half inch plywood and built up all the joints. 
the only problem with that, or, you know, could be a problem with that, is that I cut down the plywood on the table saw into three-inch wide strips. And I know that's usually the, the tool barrier that's most common, I think, is the table saw with my content. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody seems to have a circular saw and a miter saw, but the table saw is kind of that, that breaking point for a lot of people. And so I was able to do plans where I had the version that I built in the video, but then I was also able to do a set of plans for one by fours. So, you know, one by fours are actually five eighths of an inch by three and a half. So I took that all into considerations and I just had a whole second version of the build in the plans. So I'm not recommending you do PDF plans, but I don't know, maybe some website articles or something like that could be beneficial. Yeah, I'm working. Or even on- if you just leave them on your Instagram, I guess. Now that I think about it, that could be pretty convenient. You know, it's funny. So this kind of goes off into a tangent, but that's been a long-term project of mine was to start to introduce plans. Yeah. And so I'm working with somebody, and we're making up plans. I want to have a few of them like ready to go before I put them out there. Uh-huh. Um, and so I was actually making one for Bad Larry, and I was writing right. it up, and I just kept thinking, like, man, is this too complicated for a plan? Like. Would somebody that's going to do this like not need to know all of the things that I'm writing down? So it's there's like a weird balance that I'm trying to find between over-explaining and under-explaining. Right. So I attribute a lot of this to the plans, but most recently I've put out plans for the bookcase that I built, the overhead rig, which hasn't been out long enough for anyone to build, and then the third one that I did plans for was the conduit media console. Sorry, I couldn't find that one. And I have had more people build those projects since I've put out plans in the first couple weeks of them being released than any other project. I'm not saying that the the people couldn't understand it without the plans, or maybe people just weren't as likely to share them without the plans. I don't know exactly where the disconnect was happening, but me doing plans has resulted in like an absurd amount of people building the projects and tagging me in it. Well, I was talking to Brad about this a couple of weeks ago and he was, he made a good point. He was basically saying like, even though, so even if it is something complicated and there's people who are like better woodworkers than you that might buy that plan and want to build it. And even though they could kind of figure it out on their own, the plan is almost worth it to them just because they want to like see those dimensions and yeah. just like, okay, here's what I do. Here's how I follow along. I know I like, if there is any hiccups, they can kind of figure mm. it out for themselves, but it's like a starting point. Yeah. And just like taking like some of the guesswork out of it, they can go out there, they know what they have to do and they do it. Right. I think the challenge for plants is that there's a, a gray area between what like a set of blueprints are versus instructions step by step how to build something. Right. Right. And what's challenging with woodworking is that a lot of the things aren't sequentially dependent, meaning you don't have to do them in the right order. So half the half of a good set of plans might not be steps right do this do this but then there might be two or three things that might have to be done in order mm-hmm. and so you're right. you're communicating across two different things for the first part you're communicating just dimensions and parts and things like that and then the other one you're communicating sequence and order and uh chronological information and I think right. finding one graphic language to communicate both of those things is a little bit challenging, um, and yeah, can no take doubt. a little bit take a little bit longer than than necessary. The I think the 
the the hardest part about plans is it's like a type of writing and it's the you don't want to miss something but then you have a tendency for being redundant and explaining yeah. something twice and when you explain something twice sometimes it can be even more confusing cuz yeah. you, you know yeah. what okay so here's the hang up that I keep coming back to is that so in the beginning, it kind of is that blueprint thing where it's like, here are all the plywood pieces. Here are all the hardwood pieces. Here are all their dimensions. But then as you start writing everything, you're almost saying like, don't follow those. Like, yeah, that's what they are in theory. But what you're going to do is not going to work out perfectly if you just like cut everything to that size. So it's yeah. like you're almost hypocritical in the way that it like it's like this says because- one thing and this says the other thing. Because there's so many pieces that you kind of have to cut to fit. Exactly. Like once you get the box made, the box might be an eighth of an inch smaller than you planned. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like basically yeah. cut your top to this size and then adjust everything accordingly <laughs> based yeah. on what you ended up doing there. Right. So the way I've gone about doing my plans is I just kind of ignore that completely. Just and now them. that you say it, well, now that you say it, it's a good consideration. What it kind of leads me to think is maybe... If I don't know how you're how you're thinking about doing all your cut lists, but maybe it could be convenient to have an asterisk by all the pieces that are cut to size exactly, right. and then anything without an asterisk, it's an understood that that's a cut to fit piece. This is just for reference. Yeah, I kind of I think what I did, what I have right now in like the draft is sort of a disclaimer right at the beginning that's like, don't yeah. cut all of your pieces to like leave everything yeah. oversized in the beginning if you want to rough things out because. It's all going to change. And then within the actual like steps saying, here's what it is in theory, but reference this gap or whatever. Right. right. It's also yeah. different depending on the material, right? So Chris is working more with solid hardwoods where we're dealing with more standardized wood products like plywood, mm-hmm. right. where the thickness is all the same, where if you're doing it with a bunch of hardwood, you might have to plane them all to a certain thickness or square them up on the joiner a little bit after you rip them to a certain dimension with something else. So getting all those steps in a static document is, it's not hard. It just, it it makes you make a lot of decisions and you'll often sit there at your computer being like, wait, should I explain it this way or this (laughs) way? And then that is the part that kind of eats up the time. Um, And I don't know if this helps any, Chris, but something I've been doing with my plans is we were talking about, you know, the, the language that you're trying to explain everything in. Uh, so something that's been helpful for me, cause that was something that I struggled with because for the past two years I've done written step-by-step articles. I modeled them after Ben's actually, whenever I started where, you know, I did a website article and I did step one, cut all your pieces to size and I would have a cut list. Step two, glue your pieces together and there'd be a picture of me gluing. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was just too over explained. I already Uh have a video to accompany the article. So if anybody's looking for that really deep, you know, this step, then this step, then this step, I've already made a video about it. So really the way I look at plans is the first page of the plans is before getting started, right? So I just give a paragraph about the project in general. Like, hey, I learned this. There was a snag about right here. So look out for that. Also, fun fact, fun fact, fun fact. Yeah. Then I have a materials and supplies list. And then from then on out, I don't use words almost at all. I tried to make it as close to an Ikea That's a good idea, instruction yeah. booklet as possible. So I just have SketchUp renderings with measurements of each piece and then a little cut list for each component of the project. Yeah. Um, 
the only time that I ever used writing beyond that was like what you were just saying, Ben, on the overhead rig, on the simplified version, I used one by fours. And so on there, like I just made a little asterisk with a note saying, you know, these are for one by fours. Assuming your one by fours are actually five eighths by three and a half, this should all work. Right. Yeah. And so from there, like it was, it was pretty simple, but yeah, Chris, you need to get on the plans, my man. I'm on them. I man. feel like it's coming. I, I really think your projects are perfect for plans because yeah. they're they're like 10% more difficult than a lot of things people build. Mm-hmm. So I think having that safety net of plans yeah, would like, make oh, people will, a lot more eager to build them. Yeah. This will usher me into that next step. I think so. Are they going to be then, like on a Patreon thing, you think, or what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm figuring out different ways to do it. So my idea right now, don't hold me to it yet, is basically... Um, I, I hate the idea of double charging people for something. So like if you're right. on Patreon, I don't want to also make you pay for a plan. Mm-hmm. So my thought is to like determine whatever the price is and then maybe do it in a way where like if you're at the $5 Patreon level, like here's a discount code on the plan for $7 off of it. So it's basically yeah. like you don't have to get everything, but if you want to, you'll get it cheaper by being a Patreon member. Yeah, Makes either sense. that or you could just quit being so greedy and give it to the people for free like me. I'm not a man of the people, Mike. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got a family to support here. No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to, I get, you some, I just wanted to get you some hot water. <laughs> yeah, but Mike, a lot of his projects have angles, so then you have to calculate degrees. That hey, alone Mike's got is 90 worth in there. That, yeah, that, that alone is worth charging for. You're right. It's that. It's the degree fee. It's anytime you have, fee. anytime <laughs> you have to do division. <laughs> if you can't do it, it goes. If you the, can't the just price, do add and subtract. Yeah, the price goes fee. up. <laughs> <laughs> for every layer of algebra, there's another price tier. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Work in some All right. Tea. What are you working well, on, Ben? We haven't even yeah, talked. Yeah. Ben oh, hasn't shoot. even got yeah, a chance ben. to talk yet. We've been rambling. All right. So, you're up. Still mostly editing. Um, I'm about... All right, moving on. No, just joking. <laughs> 20% through the footage uh, in terms of processing it, doing voiceover. Um, so it's going it's going well. Uh, and I'm remembering a lot of parts to the project that I forgot. Um, and looking at a lot of footage, I probably didn't need to record. <laughs> uh, but uh, in terms of making... Um, I'm just finishing up a coffee table, which is going to be for the outdoor patio at the container house. It's a very simple welded steel base with a uh, poured-in-place concrete top, and then the concrete is leveled flush to the steel. Yeah. And uh, I, the sort of experimentation is going to be experimenting with India ink, you know, just like the ink that you would find in like a fountain yeah. pen or something, diluted with water. And I'm going to try to use that to kind of stain the concrete dark. So I know concrete is porous. I know, you know, water will soak into it and it takes a long time for it to dry out, right? It's sort of like a sponge. So I'm like, if the ink is as thin as water, I should be able to really soak this black ink into the concrete. And I also experimented with a unsmooth finish, a textured smooth finish, I guess is what I would describe it, where it's smooth to the touch. Uh, but it's very worn, almost like old plaster or old concrete. So it's a cool project. It's not it's not like the craziest thing or the neatest thing. So I'll add a few little experiments with the pigmentation of the concrete at the end. And uh, uh, definitely will be a project that will get some use at the house. The thing that we're sort of working on, uh, which sort of, I guess, segues into our, our topic for the evening, is... 
I'm not sure if I'm how I'm going to release this on YouTube because it might trigger <laughs> some red flags. But yeah, uh, my my brother Nate is visiting, and we've been working on a sort of machine that rolls like joints, and it works really really well. Yeah, so it was Nate's idea. He came up with this, and uh, hang on, sidebar. Your brother Nate is very good at coming up with mechanical things with like things with moving parts. That yeah, I just am not able to wrap my head around. He thinks through those really, really well. Yeah, he's like Izzy Swan, but with weed. He really is, <laughs> and without writing anything down either. Like it's all just it's all in there. Yeah, so it's it's a cool project. And at first, I was like, oh, this is really clever, but we can't release this on YouTube. Yeah. But then I was thinking, like, I've done, like, bar carts, and yeah. all of the states where I live, marijuana is recreationally legal, so mm. it's no different than, than alcohol. Um, if I made a martini shaker, I don't think that would get flagged um, or anything like that. Right. So, but, you know, it it is and what it is. It's not like is. you're going to, it's not like you're going to, like, smoke weed in the video. No. No, penny not, rolling machine. Well, I don't know. You're gonna have a lot of comments saying like, "Does it even work, bro?" Yeah, but uh, I was also thinking like, humidors are like a pretty common woodworking project, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I think even like Rockler sells like a lot of like yeah, kits of parts and stuff like that for for humidors. So, um, and now that this is becoming more of a, not I guess mainstream, but it's becoming closer to mainstream. And there's more of a high-end market. I actually, from a woodworking standpoint, I thought it would be a pretty cool project to make this really cool wooden machine that rolls joints. Um, and then maybe has like a storage box that controls the right, uh, that you put your weed in there. I was going to uh, say, put your weed <laughs> in it. Um, yeah. It can be the, th- the text on the, t- on the thumbnail. So yeah. we're, we're working on the prototypes. We're going to do a traditional tools version and a CNC version. I have to talk to my YouTube rep about how to actually launch the video because I don't want to get flags, you know, and and stuff like that and figure out the sort of appropriate way to make disclaimers and, you know, warn people that are concerned about seeing the, that kind of content. Yo, quick question. Do you still have any acrylic leftover from when you did that, that sink sink for mowing? I do. It's in the garage, Mike. Okay, cool. Well, maybe one day I'll use it, but yeah. that's not what I'm worried about currently. You need to make a version of the whole machine out of acrylic so yeah. people can just see it in action see and see right through it. Like Krispy Kreme. Wow. You know, when you get, when you see how the donuts are made, it doesn't change anything. Yes. It just makes them tastier. But you mil- still want them. Yeah, we will do it acrylic that much more. Because, um, yeah, acrylic just takes a little time to mill because you have to go real slow so it doesn't melt. Excuses. Yeah, come on. We'll get it done. So... It, it's a it's an interesting project. It looks cool. It yeah. works really well, and uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be, I think it'll be funny uh, to see the reaction. And yeah. I, you know, I think there still is a stigma around uh, marijuana, but I think it's like less and less. Like it's wearing down for sure. Yeah, right. Like Martha Stewart smokes weed, so it's like, come on. <laughs> it's because she's been fraternizing with Snoop Dogg. She's, she's also been a felon. Yeah. Well, speaking of fraternizing, our hey. topic for the evening is fun. Fun. <laughs> As in... Uh, <laughs> Which fraternizing is. Yes. And what made me think of it is that there's... I, I would say we probably get more questions about the business side of what we do mm-hmm. than, than just about anything else. 
And uh, that's great. That's interesting. And that's probably the part that's the easiest for us to talk about. Uh, but the majority of the audience isn't doing this for a living, is doing this for sort of a fun or as a way of learning or just a, a exercise for something that you can get better at. So uh, I think we all enjoy our work. Oh, I, I know we all do. And I, I thought I would talk about what makes something enjoyable uh, versus just doing it for the progress. And so I guess the part that I'm sort of separating is uh, fun versus satisfaction. Ooh. S- satisfaction is kind of, the, you know, I've done a lot of projects that were pain and they were a total pain in the ass, but they are part of a progress towards, you know, something that I'm trying to achieve. And so therefore I'm satisfied with them, even though they weren't fun. Um, right. And like the container house is a great example. Parts of it here and there were fun, but overall it's more now as I'm editing the footage, it's like more and more satisfying as it gets closer to being done. But there's <laughs> yeah. like no part of like sitting in that steel box in a hundred degree weather that was enjoyable in that moment. I was like yeah. waiting to get home. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got to say, like, when have you been looking forward to editing something? Yeah. Other than the container. So that's pretty cool. So the I thought I would sort of bring this up just sort of as a, as a question, something to sort of riff on is you know what what are the parts that are sort of enjoyable in the moment uh so for me it's normally it's right at the moment of anticipation of of an experiment where i Mm -hmm. see it starting to work right Mm. so today i was putting uh india ink into a spray bottle and spraying it on a bunch of concrete scraps and sort of waiting to see because when you know, when you first spray it on, the concrete's wet, so it's automatically darker. And then you wipe off the excess, and then you're waiting for it to dry. And say, is it going to stay darker than it was before? Like that's fun, right? Like that's to me the the sort of childlike quality of like conducting the experiment. You have the sort of what you're sort of hoping for, and you're watching to see like there's there's direct engagement in that moment of making. I'm like yeah. very into the the process. And then th- reading the ingredient list on the ink and thinking, okay, what else could create a reaction that might make this not work? Um, so, you know, so th- those were the first types of moments that sort of came to mind for me. Yeah, that's the first thing that popped into my head too. So if I just think back to the two most fun projects that I've done in the past year. The cranes. I, I'd say the, the crayons and <laughs> the Lego table were yeah. both, would both, and they both had that same kind of feeling that Ben is talking about where you kind of you you have an idea of what you're going for but you don't know exactly how it's going to come out or if it's going to work whereas like every yeah. other project like yeah you know you might mess up and this gap is bigger than you wanted to be or whatever but you kind of know like here's what it's going to look like and it should work out like the crayon thing i don't know like i i thought it would work just cuz i had tested before but i didn't know exactly what it was going to look like so seeing it come together and then like being like, oh man, that looks cooler than I thought it was going to look. And the the Lego one was like a total, like because of the way that concrete works, how we had to like cast it and you can't see it. And then there's that moment where you're unwrapping it basically to, to see what you have and if it worked and like the, the, re- the, the anticipation and, and then the relief. And yeah, that, those are like the best kind of at least solo making things. And then the one other thing that the Lego one actually had is collaborating, I think has been yeah. the other most fun thing that I did last year that I want to do more of this year 
Um, I think anytime you're working with somebody else, it's just going to naturally be more fun. And even those tedious parts are a little bit nicer when there's somebody else there that you're working alongside of. Yeah, it's a lot funner to sand when you only have to sand half of it. You can let someone else do the other half, right? Put them to work. Yeah, collaborating for sure. And whenever you were talking about experimenting, Chris, those two projects, those are also some of the funnest projects to watch, too. Which, yeah, I think so. In our last in a, in our last episode, we were talking about we were talking about uh, resolutions, but that was kind of one of the things I mentioned was like when I experimented lightly, they didn't perform that well, and I was not as satisfied with them. But anytime I experimented hard, like the epoxy lake table or the island table, whatever the cookies and the milk cookie? table is what we're calling yeah. it. Well, one, it was a collaboration, so it was a ton of fun. But because it was such a heavy experiment i had never done a single epoxy project in my life before that i had no idea how it was going to turn out i had no idea the things that i did wrong and could have done better like all of those learning experiences are way fun but that's so true just the like the moment when you pour the epoxy or you spray the concrete pigment or whatever it is that moment of like is this gonna work yeah that suspense is so awesome it's it's interesting that when the way you describe it because it makes me think of two YouTube channels, two really big YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. On like one end, on the fun spectrum, I think of like King of Random, right? Okay, it's like all sugar candy, right? It's like explosions. It's all like the fun, bang bang, boom. Yeah, you know, it's kind for of, your a lot of experimentation. Yeah, and your inner twelve year old, but not always like a lot of like y- useful things. You know, I mean, there's definitely some scientific principles at play, but not sort of translated into sort of usable items, right? But, you know, like he's not really... practical things, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like, you know, another crossbow that shoots matches kind of a, a thing, which is, <laughs> right. you know, great if we could train the prairie dog to use it. Um, oh. But on the other end of the spectrum, I think of like primitive technology, which isn't also useful, but is like... At no point do I watch those videos and be like, that looks really fun to be barefoot (laughs) (laughs) week after week in the jungle, like getting eaten by mosquitoes and either too hot or too cold. Um, I also feel like the guy from Primitive Tech does not enjoy human interaction at all. That's true. So for him, I feel like he really is loving it. Um, But like there's something incredibly satisfying because you see all the substance to it. Yeah. And, you know, here comes the food analogy, but it's kind of like... Dessert's great. Dessert is fun. <laughs> but you get sick of it if that's all you ate. Um, Literally sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so it's like, you know, I think there is a, it's an interesting balance. Because normally oh, we think of analogy. like. analogy. Oh, go for it. Here we go. <laughs> so Dude Perfect is the dessert of YouTube. Yeah. It's cool to watch, but you'll get really sick of it if except, that's all you're watching. Except. Maybe not cool to watch. I don't know. I mean, oh, <laughs> what's don't the appetizer it, of YouTube? The appetizer, uh, late night shows, just little clips. Yeah, little clips from Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and stuff. Nice. You answered that quickly. I think you must have a whole menu of YouTube. Well, you want the main course? Ready to go. Let's hear it. All right, the main course, easy. Primitive modern tech. builds. Oh, little okay. Jimmy D, Jimmy Deresta. That's the main course right there. A little That's modern a builds, eating. if you will. No, I'll tell you what main course is. It's Hot Ones. Hot Ones is the main course of YouTube. It's the best interview show. It's entertaining. It's funny. 
it's everything that's good about YouTube. It's got everything you want in a dish. It's got yeah. rappers. It's got every. The only person Chicken. it ha- doesn't have is the president and Oprah. So does that make TED Talks like the green smoothie or the wheatgrass? Of- yeah, it's extra granola. Yeah, <laughs> the diet menu. It's the it's the NPR podcast of YouTube. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, <laughs> but it's no, the it, artichoke dip. It's it's a type of balance that I think is. For for me, I think is important for overall enjoyment of what I'm doing. It's sort of trying to balance fun versus satisfaction of making mm-hmm. sure everything isn't a Sisyphusian struggle of trying to do these big things and grow and get bigger and bigger. Um, but also making sure it's not all just like, you know, whiz bang, uh, distract myself from thinking about anything bigger. So it's mm-hmm. trying to find that balance between the the clever and uh, charming and diverting little misadventures that could lead to something eventually bigger mixed in with sort of things that are, are are challenging and that actually you have a real sense of satisfaction when you finish them. All right, so here's a question for you guys. So we've kind of come down to experimenting and trying new things. That seems to be a pretty common through line of what makes things fun mm-hmm. in the world of making. When has that proved to be the complete opposite. When is trying new things and experimenting just been the worst? When it makes a big mess. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't always I guess have to when be. It fails, right? It doesn't have to be something new, right? Like, uh, you know, switching out the the blades, the stock blades on your circular saw, or your table saw, for a really nice, uh, a really nice one that's appropriate for that task, and then you're cutting some material and it's just cutting like butter. Yeah, that makes a a, a repetitive task enjoyable you're just like ooh, this sounds different there's less wobble and then your yeah. mind starts being like oh now that i can cut this so much cleaner with so much less sanding that makes me open to ideas that might i might have otherwise kind of dismissed before they fully matured just because i thought well i'd have to cut 20 strips of this oak that i then have to sand and when i sand it it's probably going to get out of square and then mm-hmm. uh forget it don't want to do it how yeah. often does that how, how how often does that happen with you guys when, with how, sort of dismissing projects before they're matured? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm asking. Is like, how often do you, I mean, I guess kind of like, yeah, write off an idea. It's it's hard because you, it's hard to completely consciously channel something that's also partially subconscious. But I would say mm-hmm. that I see it when I, when sometimes I'll get introduced to a new tool or a new technique and me and you will say this to each other, Michael. We'll be like, oh, that's a game changer. And it's a game changer because you just made a step uh, maybe 50% more efficient, which then makes it you think, ah, well, I could – oh, here's a great example, right? Uh, I learned to drive an excavator. <laughs> yeah. That was a game changer because <laughs> now I'm thinking like, well, I have all this land. Land is just dirt around. and rocks. I can move this around. I can do all sorts of things because now I know – that it's whereas like I could have dug a hole with a shovel before, but I would never let my brain think, oh, can I build a tunnel through my mountain with this, you know, shitty shovel? shovel? No. <laughs> uh, but now I'm thinking like, ooh, well, if Elon Musk can do this, like maybe I can do the low tech thing and I can make a little commuter yeah. tunnel right through my mountain. Perfect. What about you, Chris? Does that happen very often? Uh, so I think me... More what happens is just, I don't dismiss an idea, but it just like gets put on the back burner and other things fill in ahead of it. And then you just kind of never get to an idea. Mm -hmm. So so there's a few 
there's a few that are in my head like that. And actually, one thing that I was thinking uh, when you were talking about earlier is like I can even think back to the first time that I ever cut anything on a table saw and having like a little, I don't know if it was an adrenaline rush, but like that little feeling of like, well, man, like this is crazy. I've never felt this before or whatever. So All like, this power. Oh my God, I could cut wood. Yeah. Not just farts for me anymore. I'm cutting other things. Hey, oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, <laughs> I know sucked. I'm editing this one, but I'm still making you put a rim shot in there, Mike. <laughs> I'm sending you the complete Wait, you're, you're putting this episode a rim and shot you're in not there. cutting that out. I'm leaving it in. I'm sending the whole finished thing to you. You're putting in a rim shot. All right. I'm going to do crickets. it too. Or crickets, your choice. Send it. Okay, cool. Okay, so the table saw was a game changer for you? Yeah, I guess. Well, anytime that you, not that it was a game changer, but just like, Anytime anything is new, it's fun. And then probably yeah. as you do it more and more, it just becomes common. And then also anytime you find a way that kind of like what Ben's talking about, where you're, you're taking labor or whatever was stopping you out of the equation and opening up new possibilities yeah. would fall into that too. This is something that actually me and Dolores were talking about this this week. It's kind of tangential to the idea of fun. I was saying, it's funny, like when I had my nine to five job, I always felt like in a way I was wishing for time to speed up. Like you're always like, when's it going to be the end of the day? When's it going to be the weekend? When's it going to be this break? Mm -hmm. You're almost like wishing your life away in a way because you're wishing for (laughs) things to come. And now I always feel like when I find out like it's Wednesday already, dang, like I wish it was Monday still because I feel like there's... Yeah, there's like not enough time to like get everything done. So yeah. I'm like wishing for time to slow down. Well, Chris, you're just living your best life. What can you do? Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Okay, I've got a game changer for you while we're kind of on the topic. And, and it does relate to fun. Full-size routers, like a big plunge router. Oh, okay, hold off before you have any judgments. I love it. So let me, <laughs> let me rewind a little bit. Let me rewind so people can understand my perspective. In the past, I have used an older fixed-based router, mm-hmm. which was pretty heavy-duty, and boy, I didn't have the best experiences with it, just because... Scary stuff. It was just scary. It's a lot of horsepower in a small container, mm-hmm. and so that kind of turned me off on routers until Ryobi actually came out with the 18-volt trim router, and Ben and I used those quite a bit, and they were always really cool because they didn't have as much power and torque to them so they just were a little less intimidating and realistically you can hold it with one hand and because it's a trim router you don't really do anything too heavy duty with it Mm -hmm. but on the project that I'm doing this week I used the Ryobi plunge router with a three-quarter inch straight bit to create dados because I'm doing some plywood stuff and holy cow game changer I'm I am doing dados so much more often now. That mm-hmm. was something that my mind had developed just a block. Like I never thought of using dados unless I had to. So anytime I'm doing, you know, casework or building cabinets, that was that was never never an option in my head because the table saw that we had for the longest time, you couldn't put a dado stack in, which meant you would have had to make, you know, how many passes to get your dados cut. And I just wasn't about I just was not about doing that. So so yeah, that was a huge game changer. I was able to cut these dados. The wood fit into them so perfectly. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say it was fun, but it was so satisfying where 
I had these, I had these, I'm building a floating shelf. So I've got all of these visible plywood layers, but I've got all these dados that look so nice. You know, it's funny. So I think what we're kind of talking about is the same human factor that like anybody who's selling something is basically playing on. So like the idea of like the festival domino, like, oh man, like I could never do mortise and tendon joinery, but if I get this thing, all I got to do is just like cut that hole and put the domino and I'm off to the races. So So you're saying Mike's fun is basically a reverse engineered infomercial. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder I loved Billy Mays so much. He's a good guy. Well, so to, to, to kind of package this up into to things that are actionable, right? Yeah. I was working with the Western Red Cedar conglomerate or, or lobby or company, and they sent the me West a bunch of cedar. Association. Right. And, you know, uh, I didn't think too much of it. And then I was looking at it like, wow, this is like two by lumber, but it's like really straight, has a nice color. It's like a soft wood. But the grain not, is pretty clear. There's a lot, not a lot of knots. Right. It's it's just a really fun material to work with. It's very forgiving. And but I was like, oh, it's still like more in a two-by thing. And I don't really feel like doing sort of chunky furniture right now. Well, then we did a bunch of experiments with different stains. So I tried like the Cabot bleaching oil uh, on it. And then I tried a couple different uh, Verathane, I think the Antique White. And the Antique White on... This the cedar two by sixes looks really good. Um, really good. It makes it look like old growth uh, fur or or something like that. Yeah, it just like takes that. away. Yeah, it just takes away that yellow. Yeah, and that, it, like pink and yellow color. Right, and it it, it looks fantastic. And so oh, so th- this is where it sort of comes together. Is like I know I have availability for this material, but I wasn't excited about. I didn't have that spark that would like trigger like a bunch of projects out of it just because it was available, right? And then I played around and 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 experimented until I found something that was really ooh that, that, that sort of triggered my my design sense to be like oh this can look great and now I'm really excited about building with it because mm-hmm. I sort of sort of did that so it's it's not that like funds better or doing like dedicated projects that really are meaningful and satisfying are better it's it's about knowing when you feeling static and shifting gears to do that. So if you're feeling like overloaded because you're just, you know, playing with like vinegar and baking soda and concocting things and making matchstick crossbows. Um, and if you're, if you're still happy with that, cool, keep doing it, keep doing it until the wheels fall off. But if you get to the point where you're seeing diminishing returns, maybe try to take on something that's a little bit more regimented or more challenging or vice versa. If you feel like you're, you know, you're you're struggling to try to achieve something and you're just not happy in that thing and you sort of believe in it, but it's not actually enjoyable. Try to figure out a way to work in some of these little these little mini experiments or projects or take the day off and and try something without a purpose. Um and uh to to just try to mix it up a little bit and and hopefully inject some of the other thing into the thing that you're uh, primarily focused on the uh, my my takeaway I think is 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 pretty much that find find one thing in every project that you're excited about because every aspect of every project can't be this crazy game changing thing in your life but if every project you did had one thing that was a little different from what you normally do or a little more challenging than what you normally do then it's never overwhelming or it's never just that like it's never too much ice cream. 
Right. And this I is where constructive, constructive feedback or constructive criticism never sounds fun. Mm-hmm. But it actually is when it's with people that you really like. Cause yeah, or value th- their opinions, right? Because they basically keep unwrapping ideas that could take a project that you were just ho-hum about way over the top and make you want to totally redo it and, and do it in a different way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can find these 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 new approaches to things that have become monotonous uh, through conversation. Big time. Chris, do you have anything before I wrap this episode up? Uh, I'll say that uh, possibilities are fun. Wow. There we go. I'm to Prophetic boil statements it down. from the one, the only Chris Four Eyes Furniture. Oh, <sighs> obsessions. Yeah, that's what I was about to send it to. I know you've got one, Ben. Let's hear it. Well, other than other than prairie dogs and, <laughs> and yeah, he's already and, done his and woodchucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me look up mine. I have some saved, but you guys take it away while I. All right. Searching. Well, while you guys go, I know this one sounds silly, oh, but boy. it's a font. A font. It is a font. Boy, I'll tell you what. I'm. I really enjoy fonts. Like I, I like too, fonts a lot, and people people laugh at me for it, but I don't care. I, I, I just really enjoy them. It is. It is like the. For anything, it is like what is telling people your identity. Your your font is your identity. So what's the and font? This is this is it, man. I've got you, I know I've got you at the edge of your seat. So you're just waiting to hear me say it. Font it talk. Is Georgia, Georgia, oh, baby, bold, on their Georgia, mind. bold, especially. Now I'm talking stock font here. Uh huh. You don't have to download this. You don't have to license this. this and people that are out there making woodworking videos, if you're not using Georgia, don't start because your boy is. And if you are, you're copying, and that's not cool. I'm looking so, it up. So if I'm out here watching woodworking videos and I see Georgia all over your videos, then I know you did it. Anyways, uh, I've got I've got a theory. That's all right, you're you're well, burnt, you're burnt oh, okay. out on sans serifs. Chris, stop it, man! A no, clean this, me... serif has got you hooked. That's it, man. I'm telling you, Futura, which has been my font of choice for the past five years. It's not that it's growing stale on me, but everyone in the world is using Futura. They're using just headline fonts, mm-hmm. and everyone is ignoring the serifs. Mm-hmm. And now that like the whole '70s vibe is really starting to take hold a little bit more, Georgia is is gonna all the all the lightly serifed fonts mm-hmm. are gonna are they're gonna be huge. So, yeah. so yeah, I that's that's my big time. takeaway. Yeah, it's nice to uh, actually pair fonts mike you might look into some font pairings yeah so you can do a uh, and actually you'll probably be able to find it with most common fonts if you look up a like a sans serif that you like it'll tell you here are some serifs that go well with it ah is there like a website for that i don't know i mean if i google it but yeah if you just google that you'll find a few different websites that have stuff like that that's pretty cool to know yeah it was funny so the other day i literally just went through I was I was in like Photoshop or whatever, and I just went yeah. through every single font on my on my computer because I realized I had never done that before. Mm-hmm. I found like five good ones, but nice. the only one I'm telling you guys is Georgia because I don't Rusty's want you taking the rest secret. of them. Yeah, they're trade secrets. Baskerville, I don't know. Just <laughs> no, 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 no. Baskerville is too light. It's trash. I know. I know what you're talking about too. It's 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 not heavyweight enough. Mm. Um. Anyways, Chris. Yes. Let's hear it. Okay. This this is gonna coincide with the topic of fun yay so not that this is necessarily fun but have you guys seen bandersnatch on netflix yeah that's the uh that's the black mirror 
Yeah, the choose your thing. own adventure yeah, yeah. kind so of episode. Tell us about it. Fill in the listeners. Oh, that's I mean, that's pretty much all you need to know. I don't want to spoil anything, but well, it's, it's interactive. A, it's a choose your own adventure, interactive Black Mirror episode. Um, but it's a little bit more than just interactive, I would say, because the plot of it has to do with like time travel and multiple univ or not time travel, but like multiple universes existing at once. And so the cool thing about it is that what you do in one, even if like you mess up and you have to go back, what you did in that other one will kind of change what happens in the past one. So it's not just a bunch of stagnant courses that you're on. It's kind of a bunch of courses that get affected by the choices that you've made. So how this relates to the idea of fun is an idea that I actually had a long time ago and that it reminded me about and made me want to do again. And this is something that I think goes into fun because I think having sort of like pipe dreams or like not pipe dreams, but just you have to have a certain wishful percentage of you that, yeah, head in the clouds kind of like, Oh, these are like big ideas that I'd like to try is I always wanted to do sort of a choose your own adventure build piece where like I could make the cabinet like three different ways, you know, different bases, different color options and have it be where like people could do choose your own adventure to like build a piece that they want to see built. But the problem is always like, does YouTube really lend itself to that? I know like technically it would all be built in there that you could do it, but it seems from like an analytics point of view that you're just shooting yourself in the foot. So I do kind of want to think of like, what would be a good way to do it where it could work out? Mm, I've got one do it and And we could all three do it. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't care if people take this idea because it's not original is I've, Oh, Ben, you showed me these videos. It's where like makeup chicks or like beauty vloggers. Well, they'll, they'll be like, my Instagram followers picked my makeup. And mm-hmm. so they just do like Instagram stories where people vote on different yeah. options. And then that's basically how she does her makeup. Right. So they could say like glittery eyebrows with, you know, yeah, I don't know, some kind of weird lipstick and you know, they end up looking silly and it's all for fun. Right. Yeah. I don't watch enough makeup videos to know. Get on. Um, but anyways, you could, I mean, we could all three do that. It could be a fun challenge or something. We could do some kind of like our followers choose our product, project. So, you know, we started out by saying, should we build a table or a cabinet? And then right. from there it goes, you know, plywood or solid lumber. You well, know, that, it, and then people really narrow it down that way. It'd be really cool if you even, if you just did it all within the video though. You're just like, okay, I want to build Ooh. a nightstand or whatever, right? So yeah. you start off with the box and you're like, should I make the base out of wood or metal? And then like, Dun-dun. there's two different videos that you can branch off to. And, it's, and so you build each base and you produce everything. And there's yeah. kind of like, you know, you wouldn't go crazy with it. Maybe there's like oh. three or four different outcomes that you can come well, to. If, if you think I about think it. I figured it out for you, Chris, in a Let's way that it. doesn't hurt your channel's performance. Only one of those videos needs to be public. The rest can all be unlisted and private mm. because people have to click through the links in the videos to get to the next one anyways. Right. And so if you have the, the the main video, that's the intro, you know, the public one and people find from searching and stuff. Cool. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, it's like they don't even exist unless yeah. people see that other video. The, I guess you could also, even if you they were all public, like maybe doing something with the whole series episodic thing could help. And maybe yeah. just putting like a 10 second kind of like leader on each of the subsequent episodes where it says, if you're starting here and you haven't seen this, go back and watch this video link in a what are the cards or whatever that pop up yeah. and then if somebody comes in in the middle well then that's on them yeah you'll just have to you'll have to alex steal it where you just you 
you Previously. make a video every day to where like you know that day you made 20% progress on this piece mm -hmm. make the decision for what I do tomorrow oh then, do it that would be pretty crazy actually then it would be it was real like time. a real-time build going on yeah that would be pretty well, slick so that's more like instead of choose your own adventure that's more just like crowdsourcing what you're gonna crowdsource okay, so making yeah so maybe you do both Two so different the things. The, yeah. the thing that's the closest. Oh well, no, it's a tree because then at the end of it, you're gonna have like sixteen projects. Yeah. A well, the thing <laughs> yeah. that's the closest to a choose your own adventure is like the plywood challenge that we did, because right. it all starts with the same thing. We all start at the same starting point, more yeah. or less, with a sheet of plywood, and then you see people's different decisions tear away. And some people go into that whole category of really showing the 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 edge grain, right? And like cutting into little pieces and putting it back together, but they're still making different decisions there and there and there. So I think that's what's satisfying about looking at all the projects from that challenge is you're seeing all these different paths all from the same starting point. And in as a tour de force, you're, you're, you're seeing so many different adventures taken and you can trace them back and see where they sort of diverge uh, from each other, but all starting with that one sheet of plywood. So, uh, I think there are some cool ways that you could do this all, you know, all within yourself um, and, and, and sort of doing these different forks uh, mm -hmm. in the road. Um, but I think just picking the, the, the starting point uh, is, and, and how, in order for it to be entertaining, the, it's like, I got really, did you ever read Choose Your Own Adventure books, Chris? A little bit, not a big reader. They actually weren't great <laughs> because the problem was is that like, so, and I think this is what to me what was interesting about the Bandersnatch uh, thing. I don't know if it's really a movie or not. Mm -hmm. Is that to me it just reminded me of how much better like being artist. in the hands uh. of a great artist or director or maker or whatever it is versus like giving the consumer choice. Giving consumers like too much choice doesn't result in better stuff. It results in like stupid frozen yogurt bars where people are putting gummy bears with like peanut butter and chocolate, which is just oh, terrible. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, hey, whoa. What was that? I forget Menchies what that was. is good. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, no doubt like, though, because so I watched the whole Bandersnatch. Is that what it is? Yeah. We're calling it Bandersnatch. That's what we're calling it. We had like a little viewing party with some friends. So there was like five or six of us in there. It was, I mean, it wasn't a nightmare, but it was, it was like a shit show. You got a bunch of people saying like, oh, make them do this. And you got other people like, make them do this. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to a point where, so this thing kind of had like right and wrong answers, right? Uh, it had like endings that you could prematurely get to kind of. Right. Or it would basically be like, you made this Which choice. Which is the right you, answer. <laughs> right. Yeah. For real. For that was. Uh, but it was just a thing where it was like, okay, you made that choice and you're going to die now. And so... There were like these few pivotal moments where, I mean, let's be honest, I'm a freaking genius. So I already had it figured out where I'm like, guys, we can't answer that. Like if we answer that, we lose and we got to watch five minutes of something before we can get to choosing again. And it happened like three times. And so like it got to a point where I just like I was more frustrated watching the show than I was enjoying it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Yeah, I, I Like a well-directed or a well or a well, you know, written thing could could be better could right be and, better. and when i when i think of what slows me down in things it's uh overthinking choice right mm -hmm. so the 
I, I almost, I mean, you know, outside of like things that involve like big life decisions and stuff like that. If, if you're, if you're into, if you're into sandbox, right. If you're in like a, a place where the, there aren't dire consequences, like a woodworking project, you know, as long as you're taking the proper safety precautions and stuff like that with non-expensive material, there are no real bad choices, right? Like you're just yeah, having crayons. fun. Right. You may, it may not end up with anything substantial, but uh, there isn't a lot to lose. So though, like, you know, th- these kind of, I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I watched Bandersnatch and I'm just like, I would have rather just watched like Roma again than this garbage that took so long. And I get the idea and I do like this. And I don't want to say that I'm down on it because as a whole, I think uh, the Black Mirror uh, uh, sort of overall content category is a really interesting one. Um, but I think it sort of, you know, and it did have some sort of cool kind of meta commentary on the nature of choice and decisions and, and forks in the roads and all that. Uh, and it was thought provoking, but it just, I didn't think it was actually good. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was good. I don't think it was great. That's yeah, what I, I would, would say. That. Yeah. Like I, I enjoyed it. It was cool. It was Awesome as a concept and shouts, big shouts out to Netflix for like going for that and doing yes, it. I think it's absolutely. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, how often is the first attempt like that as something, the one that's like insane anyways. Right. So I, I'm still open to it. And if they put out another one next year, like obviously I'd be into it and I would check it out. Yeah. I think that actually, so more than a choose your own adventure, something that it, it reminds me of that I think maybe is a little easier for people to, participate in is if like there's certain video games like there was one called heavy rain that was the first of its kind that fell into this where it was more like storytelling than Mm -hmm. like really playing a video game like there was nothing hard you were making decisions but you were like seeing how it unfolded and it's been worked into a lot of other video games but it's more about like what you choose to do determines what ultimately happens. So like the yeah. ending that you'll get, right. but it wasn't going to just like prematurely end because you made this one decision. Yeah. I think that's an intriguing idea. For right. Yeah. And th- that th- was th- where I, and that's where I was getting frustrated in, in Bandersnatch too. So I think you're really onto something. Yeah. Cause it was sort of the Bandersnatch was about choice, but not control. You're never in control of the story. Um, yeah. You just are making choices within the story the story that someone else is controlling. It would kind of be like driving a car by telling someone what directions to go. You don't really feel like you're driving. If you're just telling your, you know, the driver to be left turn, right turn. You're, you're directing where the car is going, but you're not actually feeling the resistance of the steering wheel and all those stuff. But how much of that was intentional? I don't know. How in control are you even of your own life? You have no choice. All right, cool. Well, that was some hot takes this week. We are excited that you listened to this episode with us. We hope it was fun for you. Hey, Maybe ooh. thought-provoking like Maybe satisfying. Maybe a little satisfying, a little little a little a little ice cream, a little appetizer, <clears throat> and a little bit of full course all right here for you on the Modern Maker podcast. If you're not already, you should be following us on Instagram. We are at Benjamin Ueda, U Y E D A. We are at Four Ice Furniture, F O U R. That's right, not F-O-R. E-Y-E-S. And at Modern Builds. 
I think we can all spell those words. If you aren't already, we are at Modern Maker Podcast collectively on Instagram. We don't post on there like crazy, but it's a good place to keep up to date with us and a good place to suggest topic ideas or questions that you'd like us to answer on the show. You can always shoot us an email at uh, modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com as well. Right now, if you check out makerbrandco.com, everything is regular priced, but it is high quality and you're going to love it. Get some simple finish with wax. Throw it on your projects. I just put some on oak plywood today, and it looked amazing. If you got anything that you need to clamp together, we got stuff for that too, and we're coming out with more. So stay tuned. Thanks and everybody for oh, come hang out with us at WorkbenchCon. It's gonna be yeah. Fun. Let's hit that one more time. It is at the Book end ends. of February. Tickets genuinely are running low. Uh, there's a pretty strong chance that they're gonna sell out, which I'm really excited about. That is good news because it's a lot bigger than last year and it sold out then too so um it's awesome to see events like this grow especially events that we're headlining so thanks everybody and we'll see you next time on the oh dang it i was close this on the modern maker podcast bye everybody modern builds bye (laughs) (laughs) see ya oh i forgot my obsession oh what was it what was it next week keep it rolling no 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 keep it rolling just prairie dogs that's it okay good Get out of here. Can I hit stop now? Yeah, we're done. Okay, we done.